Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter chapter 3. First Peter chapter 3, and we're talking about characteristics of a godly marriage. Um, in this particular text, we have six characteristics. Uh, today, we'll look at two more instead of just one, okay? Uh, we've been just taking one at a time. And the question is, what characteristics of a godly marriage does Peter focus on as seen in the roles of a man and a woman? And so far, we've looked at uh, the wife submits to her husband to transform him. Uh, secondly, the wife is focused on the internal and not the external. And then thirdly, today, we will look at the husband knows his wife. And we come to verse 7, which says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Now, after looking at six verses about the wife, the last verse is about the husband. Uh, many have wondered if Peter gave so much attention to the woman because the majority of people in churches are women. Uh, it's not necessarily true in our church, but I have been in churches where the ladies greatly outnumbered the men. And uh, it's true that women typically have the most spiritual partner, have been the most spiritual partners in marriages. Uh, they're tip, the typical. Uh, ones who are most involved in serving. And as pastors, uh, as a pastor, I've watched uh, wives from the pulpit uh, intently watching and listening while the husbands are struggling to stay awake. <laughs> well, not sure just uh, why that is, but uh, that seems to be a characteristic. Well, it shows part of the reason that uh, the church, the home, and our society are in such poor state. Um, not many men are willing to step up and lead like Christ uh, in the home or in our society by setting a good, righteous example. Uh, there is a tremendous need to restore biblical manhood in churches where men are assertive in leading spiritually. We can be assertive in many ways, we as men, but often we fail to assertive, be assertive spiritually. And I doubt that many single girls, maybe on Bible college campuses these days, would most likely, or I don't doubt that they wouldn't, would likely just uh, be able to, or would just to prefer to stay single, because there are so few men who are willing to be spiritual leaders. Now, of course, Probably that's not the case, and a lot of times I think young ladies are taking, uh, because they're so interested in getting married, they just uh, they'll take the first guy that comes along, and then he doesn't turn out to be a spiritual leader, and then there's a problem. Well, that's a commentary on the church. It shows that men's uh, spiritual lethargy, uh, 
there's a tremendous lack in male spiritual leadership in many, many churches. Now, with that said, this makes this one verse very important. And even though it's only one verse uh, for the men and the ladies got six, uh, it's a verse that's loaded, okay? And we're going to focus on it. We're not going to look at it, the whole thing tonight. We'll save some for next time. But actually, we'll pull out several points from this, this verse. And uh, uh, this verse does give us the secret on how to love and better serve wives. Again, look at verse 7 where it says, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge. And the word likewise there, same word in verse 1, connects the principle of, of live unto righteousness. Back in uh, chapter 2, in fact, chapter 2, verse 24. It may also connect back to the earlier thoughts of being in submission to the government, uh, uh, servants in being submissive to, uh, uh, in submission to masters. And it begins with likewise. The chapter begins with likewise for wives. And the thought is repeated here for husbands who are to do right. That is, live unto righteousness. Live to do right by their wives. Uh, what is one thing a husband must do to develop a godly marriage? Well, he must develop a knowledge base. So what is this knowledge base? Well, if they're supposed to, as it says here, dwell with them according to knowledge, what type of knowledge should a husband cultivate to have a godly marriage? Well, there are a couple of types of knowledge, I think, that are spoken of here. Uh, the first one is the husband must know his wife. Um, and let me first say it's hard to teach on the role of the husband because I fail in so many ways myself. I've been getting to know my wife for 50 years, and I'm not sure I still know as much as I should. Uh, but uh, the husband should intently study his wife. It doesn't mean you just stand there, sit there and stare at her. And, you know. But you need to learn her likes and her dislikes so you can better minister to her. Now, my wife doesn't care for me to use her as an illustration in my sermons. But I will share a little bit about what I've learned about my wife. She said, she's thinking right now, oh no. Well, you would think after almost 50 years, I would have figured this all out. But I will say my wife is, for one thing, a hard worker. Over the years, she's proven to be a keeper at home. Primary responsibility of a godly wife is to be a keeper at home, to be a wife and a mother. Yes, there have been times in our marriage where financial needs were such that she worked a job outside the home and Yet she's always done a great job at keeping the home, making the home a home. And she also cares for others. Uh, she'll often see the needs of others before I do. And I would say she has the spiritual gift of helps. Now, I've had to develop a knowledge base about my wife so I can serve her better. I know, really, she kind of likes me to help around the house. Uh, that's part of that knowledge base, you know. Uh, there have been times where I've had more than one, one job myself. 
Um, but I'm not opposed to helping with the dishes and the cleaning. Uh, I may not always like it, but uh, I'm not opposed to it. You see, my mother gave me good training in these areas. I was brought up to know how to wash the dishes and, and uh, to clean the house. I was always, my sister, my duty on every Saturday was to clean the house. Uh, now, I don't be, claim to be good at this, but because I study my wife, I've gotten better at it. So how does this husband dwell with this wife according to knowledge? Well, he gets to know his wife, what she likes and dislikes, what she uh, uh, appreciates and so forth. I'm sure you men have done the same thing. Then also, the husband must know Scripture. I think this is one thing that is implied by this knowledge here. Dwell with them according to knowledge. If you're going to be a godly husband, uh, you must not only know your wife, but Scripture as well, and relate to your wife on the basis of Scripture. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says, Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by, with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Now in that text in Ephesians 5, the primary way that a husband loves his wife is by washing her with the word of God. And one of the things that a husband must do to serve his wife is study the word of God. And it's not a bad idea to study the word of God with her. Teach her the word of God. Help her to apply it so that she can be without stain or wrinkle. Now, I don't know if it takes care of physical wrinkles, but we're talking spiritually here. Uh, she needs to wash her blemishes, her insecurities. Uh, he, need, he must build her up in the inner person so that she can fulfill that all that God has called her to do. And so the husband plays the role of Christ, and in the same way, Christ equips the church to serve through the word of God, and he calls the husband to do that with his wife. So the husband must dwell with his wife according to knowledge of Scripture. And so that means a, a husband needs to learn and study Scripture himself in order to be obedient to God. Uh, he may apply this knowledge by leading in family devotions, taking the family to a Bible-preaching church, simply exhorting the wife and the children on a daily basis concerning holiness. And it's very important for young single women to understand this, so as they search for a husband, they will look for a man that will be a spiritual leader. Now, it could be that things are slim picking. And yet the world can give a woman a husband, but not a godly spouse. But, the, but a godly spouse, I should say, is a gift from the Lord. Because uh, Proverbs 19 verse 14 says, house, house and riches are the inheritance of fathers, and a prudent wife is from the Lord. And so a godly spouse is a gift from, from God. One needs to wait for their gift and not compromise. They need to uh, look for someone who knows the word, teaches it not only with their mouth, but with their lives. 
Uh, this is also a call for young men to prepare themselves, prepare themselves to lead a family by knowing the Word of God and being involved in the church. Now, what are some unique things that you've learned about your spouse that help you serve him or her better? Um, how can you be more faithful in serving your spouse? Well, then also in a godly marriage, the husband dwells with his wife. Now, we're kind of taking this phrase here in uh, verse 7 backwards. It says, dwell with them according to knowledge. We took the knowledge part first. But here it also says the husband dwells with his wife there in verse 7. Uh, Peter says that a husband must dwell with his wife. According uh, to this, uh, it could be uh, translated dwell together with. The meaning of that word dwell is dwell together with. That means that in order to be a godly hum husband, you must spend time with your wife. In fact, be at home. Now, this is very important to say because many homes fail specifically on this issue. Now, when uh, we were much younger than we are now, and we were involved in ministry at Maranatha Baptist Bible College, I'm afraid I wasn't as ho at home as much as I should have been probably or could have been uh, because all the responsibilities we had. I was a teacher, I was a coach, I was a choir director, and, and so it took me out of, away from the home more than I uh, would have liked to be. But uh, if the husband's not at home, it may be he's because he's at work, or maybe it's because of pleasure sometimes, or maybe that it's because of stress in the home, and so he, he's not there. And that's a great problem in our society today. You know, a great problem is fatherless homes. Uh, I, I read an article entitled The Consequences of Fatherlessness. Some fathering advocates would say uh, that the most every social ill faced by Americans' children is related to fatherlessness. Children from fatherless homes are more likely to be poor, more involved in drug or alcohol abuse, drop out of school, uh, suffer health and emotional problems. Boys are more likely to become involved in crime, and girls are more likely to become pregnant as teens. One of the things that's needed for a godly marriage is for the husband to dwell with his wife. And often in our society, the job demands that they have can sometimes be unreasonable. But you know what? Satan's the ruler of this world. He's the ruler of this wicked age, and he knows what he's doing. So if he can keep, keep dad out of the home, that's uh, part of, the, uh, of winning the battle uh, against the, the, the family. In some jobs, it's almost impossible for a husband to be home. At times, it includes, that can in, in, even include the pastorate. One of the reasons pastor's kids and missionary kids have such bad reputation, I think, is because fathers, the pastors, are not at home. Uh, they're too busy. You know, you can get too busy even in the ministry. It's impossible to be a good pastor without being a good husband and father. That's what 1 Timothy chapter 3 tells us in the qualifications for a bishop or a pastor. 
So in order to do that, a man must be at home. In fact, this is something I've seen a lot in churches as well since I've been around in ministry since I graduated from college. And what uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 4 says is, And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Paul tells the fathers not to push their children to wrath, but to train them in the instruction of the Lord. And so in, in order to train them in the instruction of the Lord, father's got to be there. One of the main ways a child is provoked to wrath is because fathers are not at home. Many of those children grow up not really knowing their father because he's never around, and therefore they grow up with uh, tremendous uh, problems, including anger. And so we raise an angry generation of children. And as you know, children whose fathers are not around are more prone to these various societal ills, divorce, crime, abuse, depression, so forth. Many times because the young people are, are angry. In order to have a godly marriage, husbands, fathers, need to be at home. You have to dwell together with your wife. Home with your kids, practically. And of course, many of us here tonight, our children are, are away from home now. They're out of the house. And we're not dealing with that so much. But maybe we can think back. Maybe I could have done something different. My kids would have been helped in a, in a different way. Well, that's in the past now, but we just continue to realize that this is God's instruction. And I wish I knew some of the things from God's Word back when I was younger than, I, than when I like I do now. Uh, and uh, so uh, a lot of uh, things uh, could happen if we would bring our children up in the nurture and admonition of, of the Lord and, and teach them the Word. Many of our churches are so far away from God, they, in a sense, demand, uh, there's a demand for pastors to be, not to be good fathers or husbands. Uh, but I want to honor the Lord, even before I honor my church or my job. 1 Timothy 5, 4 says, But if any widow have children or nephews, let them fir uh, learn first to show piety at home and to requite their parents, for that is good and acceptable before God. And then verse 8 says, But if any provide not for his own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. Now, many unbelievers care much uh, for their families. Uh, so as a Christian, we need to be sure that we're caring for our families. Well, those are two characteristics that we we come up with here uh, in verse 7, and there are a couple of more, but uh, we'll uh, wait to, uh, to do that next time. Fatherless homes result in poverty, drug abuse, dropouts, emotional problems, crime, pregnancy. And so we'll continue, the Lord willing, next week. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for helping us to be in the Word tonight. Thank you, Lord, for bringing us together tonight for this time. And as even we look at these uh, 
principles, these characteristics of a godly marriage. And, and no doubt uh, many of the men here tonight would say, I wish I had done a better job. I know this preacher does. But uh, we pray that you'll help our young families and young people in our church to, to have spiritual homes, spiritual marriages, godly marriages. And uh, we pray, Lord, that you'll uh, bless the word to our hearts tonight and bless our time as we uh, come together in prayer. And uh, we pray uh, that uh, we would honor you with our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.